Yeah, we are glad to be here, and thank you for reminding me that I left my daughter on her birthday. Is this on? Am I, am I good? Okay, so I love this church. I'm really excited to be here, actually. This is really nice to be in this church. I've seen it online, and I've heard about your ministry, and I'm really excited to be able to speak to you today. I also especially love the Mendoza family, um, the four boys and their daughters. How many of you just love their family? How many of you just feel like you're kind of part of their family? How many of you feel like you're the fifth Mendoza brother like I do? I do. Like when I'm around them, I'm like, I think, I think I'm one of them. I think I'm the fifth one. And Heather loves all the wives and, and of course, uh, dad and mom. And, and uh, dad, I, I've been at, wanting to know if I could get a loan because we are like family at this point. Uh, no, it's great, and each every one of them was so unique and special. I love getting to know Jim. Last night we we went out to um, where did we go to dinner last night? Yes, that place is 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 wonderful. <laughs> that that is some good fajitas right there, and we're gonna go again. <laughs> that was so much fun, and then getting to know Jason. Jason is the the one we've spent our least amount of time with. Jason and Linda. But uh, hope to do so because he seems like he's the funniest one of all of them. I think I pegged that. And then, of course, the visionary, Jeremy. What a vision for the ministry, like his father, um, following after in that way. And it's just awesome. And then John's voice. John's voice is, like, amazing when he sings. But when he speaks, he sounds like Batman. No, doesn't he? I am, J- I am, J- I am John Mendoza. It's, that's what it sounds like to me. a little. You need a mask. A little like Batman. Is that tr- right? Okay, I just want to make sure. I thought that might have been just me. I'm from Las Vegas. Anybody here ever been to Las Vegas before? Las Vegas? Let's see. Raise your hand. Be proud of your sin. There it is. You were in Las Vegas? What is wrong with you? Yeah, I was in, I, I born and raised in Las Vegas, so um, in fact, it's interesting being a pastor there. Can you tell I'm looking for my notes? There it is. Um, in Las Vegas, it's interesting being a pastor in Las Vegas. Uh, we have, uh, sometimes the offering plates go by, and when, when the offering plates go by, people put money in it, but some people put poker chips. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want them to, but they do it anyway. Do people put, where are the ushers? Do they put poker chips in the offering plate here? No, they don't. Oh, if not, you pocket them, right? That's what you do. I can see it in your eyes. Yeah, they put, sometimes put poker chips in. Our deacons love it. They get to go down and cash them. And, uh, it's a weird thing. They do it a little bit in our church. They do it a lot in the Catholic church. The Catholic church gets a lot of poker chips. Like too many. So much that the local archdiocese created an entire segment of priests just to count up the poker chips. Right? That's crazy, right? They're, they're called chip monks. That's what it's not, it's not true. It's a lie, the whole thing. It's just made it up. I did it so I could begin with humor because I wanted you to like me. Do you like me better now? See? He does, I can tell. 1 Peter chapter 2 is our text. 1 Peter chapter 2. I am honored to be here. I admire and respect your pastor and his wife so much. 
four decades of ministry in the valley. God bless this man and his woman. I, I, I say that aloud and I ask God publicly to bless this man and his woman and their family and their children and their grandchildren. God bless you, sir. And thank you for allowing me to be here. First Peter chapter number two and verse one. I, I'm going to speak on the subject of how to forgive. How many in this room have ever been offended by someone else before? Would you raise your hand if you've ever been offended by... Real high. Let me see. I'm, a, I'm an interactive preacher. Okay, there it is. Put your hands down. Yeah. We've all been offended by somebody at some point. Do you know why? Because we live in the world, and the world is full of offensive people, including you. How many of you have been offended? Yes. How many of you have ever offended somebody else? How many of you have ever made somebody sad by something you said or something you did? Raise your hand. How many of you are like that? Sure. Yeah, we've all done it. And the Bible tells us that we ought to forgive each other. We know this, right? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So we know that God tells us to forgive, but often we don't know how to forgive. Preachers like me, your pastor would tell you, we're so very good at telling people what to do, not always how to do it. One of the things I admire about this ministry is that it is a practical Christianity that teaches us how to live out the Christian life. And today, I don't want to just tell you to forgive. I want to share with you how to forgive. Now, there's some of us in this room who are holding on to some deep bitterness because of some deep pains and hurts from years ago. There's some of us that are holding on to some bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in our hearts right now. And it wasn't years ago, it was last week what she did to you or what he said to you. And you're, you're, you're dealing with that. Even this morning you woke up thinking about it. You say, how do, I, how do I deal with this? And today I'm going to share with you from the Bible how to forgive. And it's very simple. It's four words. These words are very simple. You can write them down and follow along if you want. The four words are, they're all Bible words. They're all really Christian words. The first word is love. The second word is honesty. The third word is pity. And the fourth word is trust. I'm going to talk about these four words and then we're going to be done. Are you ready? Let's get into number one. Let's talk about the word love. How can I forgive? Pastor Josh, how can I forgive? Number one, love. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Can you picture the Apostle Peter with me as he writes to the refugees throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia? Peter is not the young man who was once a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He is an older man now, an apostle who's been traveling and preaching the gospel. But now he is in his church in Jerusalem. 
And he's preached throughout Asia Minor. He's preached throughout Cappadocia, Galatia, Bithynia, in these places. And he knows a lot of those churches. And he sits down in his church in Jerusalem, perhaps in his home, and he writes them a letter. These Christians in this area are standing strong in the midst of great trials and persecutions. And this church itself, hospitality is happening on an unprecedented level. You see, these gracious Christians have been opening their homes to strangers who are fleeing persecution. Though Peter stayed in Jerusalem, a lot of the Christians did not. A lot of the Christians were fleeing the persecution from Jerusalem, and they were going up into the regions of modern-day Turkey, and they were arriving in the places where the gospel had already been, where churches had already been started, Cappadocia, Galatia, Bithynia. And so the apostle Peter sits down and writes them a letter, and he says, I want you to learn how to forgive. You say, why? Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4, look at what it says. And above all these things, have a charity among yourselves, love, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. What was happening during this time was very simple. All of these Christians were fleeing from persecuted areas, and they were arriving in other places. And when they arrived in these other places, the... Christians in those communities had to bring them into their homes. Now, could you imagine this happening? Could you imagine if uh, your pastor showed up at your doorstep on Saturday night and he knocked on the door? Maybe it was Pastor Jeremy. Or maybe it was Pastor Dad. I have a Pastor Dad too, you see. And uh, Pastor Noah or Pastor Jeremy was there. He knocked on the door and you open the door. You say, oh, hey, Pastor. What, what, what do you need? And standing beside him was a, a family. And he said to you with, with big doe eyes, he said, this family is running away from political persecution. Christians, they have nowhere to stay. We have people staying with us and we have people staying in other homes and we have people staying at the church and there's nowhere for them to stay. Can they stay in your home?" And you say, tonight? And he says, yes, tonight, and maybe for the next few weeks until we figure something out permanently. I don't know about you, but that would make me nervous. I don't know these people. I don't know where they're from. I don't know that I can trust them. And this is literally what is going on in the churches. What is literally happening in the church at Cappadocia and Galatia and Bithynia and, and all of these regions is that the apostle Peter is saying to them, take these refugees into your homes and allow them to stay there. That's what's going on. And what was happening as they were coming in using hospitality, look at the rest of the verse on the screen. Look at verse 9. It says, using hospitality one with another without grudging. So they're being hospitable to these people, but guess what happens when two groups of people live into the same household? Guess what happens when you have strangers living in your home? What happens is friction. And the people were beginning to fight with each other. The ladies were beginning to snip at each other. The men were beginning to get angry with each other. Children were fighting in the home. 
And so he writes them in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Again, look at it. Wherefore, lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envyings and evil speakings. And he's talking about how these Christians should be getting along with each other. And then he says in chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9, above all these things, have fervent love. Charity among yourselves. Why? Because charity covers a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another, yes, but without grudging. That is, show love to each other when people offend you. The first step in overcoming offense, the first step in learning how to forgive, is love covers sin. Now, I'm going to share with you the most misapplied Bible verse in all of the Bible as relating to conflict resolution. Are you ready for this? If you're ready for this, give me a drum roll. You say, why are we doing this? It's because the preacher's from Las Vegas. Give me a drum roll. Now. Here it is. Most misapplied Bible verse in all of the Bible as related to conflict resolution So the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. How many of you ever heard this Bible verse before? If you have, raise your hand. Have you ever heard this? It says, if your brothers trespass against you, if you have an offense with your brother, go between him and you and make sure you tell him, this is the problem I have for you. You say, well, how is it misapplied? It's often misapplied when Christians say to themselves, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He offended me. I'm going to go deal with it now. Isn't that what it's saying? We'll get to that in a moment. How many of you are the type of person who avoids conflict? You're just not a person who loves to jump in the middle of other people's conflicts or even your own. You kind of avoid conflict. How many of you, don't raise your hand because if you are this way, you don't want to raise your hand anyway. (laughs) You avoid conflict. Some people are like that and we need to kind of step forward and deal with conflict. How many of you are the type that says, not me, I like conflict. Man, when somebody's got a problem with me, I'm going to deal with it, right? Okay, this one is especially for you. You say, how is that Bible verse misapplied? Because the passage Jesus is speaking to is actually talking about church discipline situations. What happens if you go between you and your brother and they don't hear you? The Bible says bring two or three witnesses. And then what happens if they don't hear the two or three witnesses? The Bible says bring it before the whole church. So in this passage, Jesus is not telling Christians, if you've got a problem with somebody or somebody's got a problem with you, go and talk to them about it immediately. He's talking about if they have done something so egregious and so offensive, they could get kicked out of church for it, then go and address it. You say, what do I do if somebody's just hurt my feelings? Here's what you do. You cover it. Cover it with what? Love. You say, forget it. Ah, it's not a big deal. Forget about it. See, what we as Christians like to do is take small offenses and make them huge. When what we're supposed to do is take big offenses and make them small. Cover it with love. 
Jesus' words aren't meant to be applied to just those who are merely offended. It's dealing with the serious sins that are worthy of excommunication and church discipline. You say, how do we know that we're supposed to do this with love? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teaches this as well. It says, love or charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Notice what the Bible says about love. It says, that love beareth all things. It means it puts up with stuff. How many of you in this room, I hope you raise your hand, love at least one other human being in the world? How many of you love at least one? Raise your hand. Husbands, you better get that hand up. I'm telling you, all right. All right, now look. You already know how to do this. You do it all the time with people you love. They do something that bothers you, and you overlook it. And they do it again, and you overlook it. And they do it again, and you overlook it. And they do it again, and you're like, now i got to bring it up. You know what I mean, right? But love, this is what it does. It puts up with stuff. Now look at me. Look at me. We're talking about minor offenses in the moment that help personal relationship. And there are going to be kids in school that say things to you. And there are going to be things that people say about you. That what you've got to do based on the love you've received from God is to show love back to them. And you say, it's okay. It's all right that mom and dad said that. It's all right that the kids, uh, it's all right that my, my grandparents said that. It's okay that uh, my friend at work did this. Love covers sin. The first step to overcoming offenses, number one, is love. The second step, here's the second word. The second word is honesty. Now for this one, I need audience participation. Say the word honesty. Honesty. Say it again, say it again. Honesty. Say it again one more time. Honesty. You say, how does honesty help us forgive? Honesty, I'm speaking of not just honesty with others. I'm talking about getting honest with yourself. Say honesty one more time. Honesty. Can you picture the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4? Do we have the text on the screen? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. It says, Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now I want you to picture the Apostle Paul here. I want you to picture him as he's in prison, as he's writing to these bickering Christians in the church at Ephesus. Picture the Apostle Paul. He's an elderly man in a prison in Rome. And he's writing to churches in, in Ephesus. And he's writing to them because the church is fighting with each other. This woman's not getting along with this woman. This man is not getting along with this man. There's fighting in the youth group. And so the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul, sitting in prison, starts writing to them. And he spends three chapters reminding them of Christ's reconciliation to them and Christ's love for them and how Christ has united them, all the theology of Ephesians 1 through 3. But now they're fighting. And so by the time he gets to Ephesians 4, he finally expresses to them how the beauty of the gospel is to play out in their church. And he says to them in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, how many of you in this room are imperfect? How many, how many imperfect people do I have? Raise your hand if you're imperfect. 
There's something still that you are not quite perfect in. It's confession time. Who would like to confess their sins? You say, not me, pastor. Okay, then I'll do it, okay? I'm going to confess my sins, tell you a little bit about myself. This is not easy. Say, you can do it, Josh. No, no, I need more encouragement. You can do it, Josh. Okay, here goes. I'm an envious person. I struggle with envy. I'm being serious. I see other people, what they have, and I think, oh, I wish I had that. It's really bad when I'm on Facebook. You ever go through Facebook and you think, have you ever, have you, have, have you ever been on, have you ever gone through Facebook and you see somebody is at Disneyland? And you're like, why are they at Disneyland? I should be at Disneyland right now. I kind of hate them a little bit. A little bit I hate them, you know, for being at Disneyland. And, and you want to you put a comment on there, you know. Self-righteousness comes inside. You're like, have fun at Disneyland. Hashtag, wish we had that kind of money. Hashtag, we tithe. I do, man. I, I'm like, I'm being serious. I struggle with envy. I struggle with lying. I'm a liar. That's true. I, I, I lie sometimes. Now, I, I don't mean to lie. I'm not one of those people who mean to lie. I, I accidentally lie. They say, how do you accidentally lie? Because I get excited and I overcommit. Because of my personality. I get really excited. Somebody comes in. For example, somebody in the church will come to me like, hey, pastor, we're all going to go bowling next Friday. Do you want to go? And I'll be like, yes, I want to go. And as soon as I say it, I think, no, I don't want to go. I, go. I don't even like bowling. I don't want to go. But I get excited. You know what I mean? And they're like, okay, we're all going to meet there at 7 o'clock. We'll see you there. I'm like, yeah, I'll see you there. And I'm already thinking to myself, I can't go to that. I can't go. So I, you know what I mean? Like, do you ever do this kind of thing? Kind of, you liars? Bunch of liars. Uh, I've got a lot of faults. I could tell you a lot of faults. Some of you say, well, Pastor Josh, the things that you shared, they're small things. They're not a big deal. That's because I don't want to tell you about the really bad things about me. And I could. I could tell you some things really bad about me. Where I, where I earn the title, depraved sinner. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one in this room who has been so depraved in their sin, they needed a holy God to save their soul. Do you know how we learn to forgive? We learn to forgive when we get honest with ourselves about ourselves. See, the problem with being a Christian for so long is that some of us forget from whence we were saved. The problem with being so holy on the outside is that we forget how wicked we are on the inside. And we easy to hold a grudge toward them because we would never do what they did to us. We would never sin like they sinned. And we forget what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6. Such 
were some of you. But you were washed. You were cleansed. You were sanctified in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And this is why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Is there anybody in this room who has received forgiveness from God? Say amen. amen. Anybody in this room has received forgiveness from God on more than one occasion? How many in this room have ever gotten a second chance from God? So in the same way God has forgiven you, so you ought to forgive others. My mom was a couponer. How many of you know what couponers are? You know what couponing? Did we ever do couponing? My mom, my, my mom liked to cut the coupons. So we do coupons here, right? Oh man, my mom had the coupons. But she wasn't like a normal couponer. Like I'm a normal couponer. I find a coupon, I walk into the store, I say, who's our coupon? And I buy the thing, I go home. My mom had a drawer of coupons. You know what I'm talking about? You ever do this? And it was all categorized by store and alphabetical, you know? And she would have all of her, all of her cereals and all of her canned goods. And, and then they would do double coupon day and triple coupon. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's crazy stuff, man. And back in the day, man, she would be serious. In fact, the store clerks would get nervous when they saw her coming. I mean, they're like, oh, man, here she comes. She's a crazy lady with the coupons, man. And she'd come in. I remember one time I went into a store with my mother, and she had a coupon for peanut butter. And the peanut butter was a triple coupon triple coupon and it was on like quadruple coupon day and we walked in and we get we walked over to the the peanut butter aisle and she calculated that the peanut butter jar of peanut butter was going to cost her nine cents per jar she asked the man where's the peanut butter aisle all the i mean it was amazing she walked through that store like she was a queen man i mean all of the store clerks started walking the other way you know we walked to the peanut butter aisle, and there was right there on the aisle, there was nine jars or so of this. Pe- she took all nine and put them inside of her cart, and she looked to the store clerk and said, we're going to need more. <laughs> it just so happens, and this is true, it just so happens they had received a shipment of this type of peanut butter. They brought out an entire case of this peanut butter, and my mother picked up every one of these jars and began to place them inside of the carts. I'm a teenager at the time, and when you're a 14-year-old, everything embarrasses you anyway. And I'm thinking, we're now the peanut butter people, and we're picking up peanut butter and putting them inside. We filled an entire cart filled with peanut butter. By the way, this was not the good peanut butter, Jif. You know what I'm talking about? Jif, that's the good stuff. This is that, you know, healthy stuff with the oil on top. You got to mix it. It's a stuff. It's healthy stuff. I don't like the health. Give me the stuff that gives you cancer. I want, I want the jiff. And so we had all of this peanut butter. My, my mother wa- walked over to the thing. She paid like a dollar. I mean, a total of like $2.12. Big thing of peanut butter. Put it inside the car. This is true, Jeremy. We get all the way. He doesn't believe it's true. We get all the way to the house. We're unloading it. My mother, my mother had, had this, this, um, this, this closet where we would put extra, you know, stuff. And we started stacking it. We had stacks and stacks and stacks of nine-cent peanut butter. It was so weird, man. 
Like we had peanut butter for breakfast, <laughs> peanut butter for lunch, for dinner. We would put peanut butter in our tacos. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> that part's a lie. <laughs> I lied. It's not true. But we had so much peanut butter. I'm telling you, we would have friends that would come over. I'd have friends that would come over and play video games. And as they were leaving, my mother would be like, would you like to take home some peanut butter? <laughs> my friends would walk home with peanut butter like this. We had so much peanut butter, it was overflowing out of our house. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you have received so much forgiveness, you should have forgiveness flowing out of your home. You have received so much forgiveness by God, you should have forgiveness flowing out of your heart. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Who do we think we are as Christians to sit back and hold a grudge when we know full well how much he has forgiven us? You got look, you got closets full of forgiveness. Why don't you give some? Give some. What about forgiving a person who shouldn't be restored, Pastor? The first two words deal with love and honesty. These are the words that can restore a relationship the way it should be. But what about a relationship with somebody who was an abuser, a murderer, a toxic person in my life that I should not bring back into my life, an ex-marital partner? Now look at me. The first two words deal with forgiving someone you need to restore a relationship with. The other two words that I'm going to share with you have to do with forgiving somebody for your own spiritual health and benefits. It doesn't mean you have to become friends again. They may not be a good person in your life. But you still need to forgive them for your own spiritual health. The first word, love. Say love. The second word, honesty. Say honesty. The third word, pity. Say pity. I've had you picture the Apostle Peter. I've had you picture the Apostle Paul. Now I want you to picture Jesus Christ. Here is Jesus Christ as he hangs upon the tree. Can you see him now? Looking down into the eyes of the Roman soldiers whom he created. The Roman soldiers who he loved. He knew their names. He knew their childhoods. He knew their dreams. He knew the very path that it took for them to become Roman soldiers. He could see the moment there were other Roman soldiers years before invading the towns of Gaul, grabbing children by the neck, throwing them into prison. And they it captured those young children and forced them into Roman slavery and forced them to be Roman soldiers. And then they lived in Rome. And Jesus could see into their minds and in their hearts and in their past. And he knew how they came to Jerusalem and how they came to Judea and how these Roman soldiers didn't want to be there in the first place and he knew them and he loved them and he thinks to himself but I created you and I loved you even though you're crucifying me he not only knew the Roman soldiers Jesus also knew his father in heaven and he knew that he would judge them for what they were doing to his son 
And so he says to his father, 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 forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Pity. Pity is a lost Christian virtue. To be able to see the path that somebody had to walk to get to the point where they did what they did. Christians are to be followers of Jesus. Jesus could see the path that somebody took to get to the sin that they were in, and he had pity on them. The question is, can you see the path that somebody had to get to to arrive at the place that they would do what they do? But no, we as Christians resemble more like the Pharisees than we do like Jesus, and we look down our nose at people, and we judge them instead of having pity on them. Ask yourself the question, what kind of life did they have to lead to do what they did to me? Imagine the childhood they endured. Imagine the betrayals they experienced. Imagine the abuse they went through. Empathetically slip into their shoes. Live their life. And suddenly you will feel pity. And it will be easier to forgive. Love. Honesty. Pity and trust. Say the word trust. Sometimes we feel like we cannot forgive because it's an inherent because of our inherent sense of justice. And that's okay. How many of you believe in justice? Say amen. amen. Forgiving them is allowing them to get away with it. This is what we think. If I forgive them, it's like they're going to get away with it. And that's where you have to say, no. I trust that God will be the judge. Can you picture now the aged apostle? As he's writing from Corinth, as he's begging the Christian audience not to retaliate against their Roman tormentors. You see, this would only lead to more heartache, death, and persecution. Instead, they trusted the Lord to avenge them. See, Paul now is writing from the city of Corinth, and he's writing the Roman Christians. And the Roman Christians are going through such intense persecution. They were killing Christians. They were going into churches and taking the pastors and the deacons, and they were crucifying them. And so the, a lot of the Christians, like you or I, would think to themselves, Hey, hey, let's stand up and fight against the Romans. But the Apostle Paul knew that if the Christians would do this, the Romans would stomp them to dust. And so the Apostle Paul writes them in Romans chapter 12. And look what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 19. He said, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, you've got to trust the fact that God will take care of the Romans. You need to take care of your family. Say, what's the takeaway for us? The takeaway is, if somebody has hurt you, it's not your job to get back at them. How many of you believe there's a judge in heaven? Can I get an amen? He is the avenger. Now listen, listen. 
where there is trust, there is peace. You say, oh man, I just can't forgive. My, my, my heart, it's all twisted. I'm so bitter. It's because you don't trust that God will deal with it. Where there is trust, there is peace. Breathe with me. Let's have a little peace. Peace. Heather and I have been married for 16 years, 17 years, 18 years. It's a long time. How many years? 18 now. We've been married so long that we know nearly everything about each other. I could tell you about her nonsensical fear of fish. Thank you, Jim. I could tell you about her irrational love of goats. She loves goats. I don't know why. I could tell you about her childhood boyfriends. <laughs> Daniel Tidwell. <laughs> Daniel Tidwell. What a dumb name. <laughs> I always hear about Daniel Tidwell. Daniel Tidwell, he's a good boy. Daniel Tidwell, I sure do like that. You should have met him. He's a good kid. He was a good... This is how my wife talks in my mind. <laughs> he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Daniel Tidwell, I love Daniel. I love Daniel. You would have liked him. He was a good boy. Daniel Tidwell, he's probably in prison. That's where he is. <laughs> Daniel Tidwell's a good boy. A good boy. Every summer, I like to take a little trip with my family. We'll go to different places. It's on our bucket list to go to a different place while the kids are still around. And we were in Washington, D.C., looking at all of the events or all the, the stuff in Washington, D.C. And as we were there, uh, on Sundays, wherever I'm traveling, I like to go to church and I like to worship the Lord and hear the preaching. And, and it's always fun, especially when I'm not the preacher, to listen to the preacher. I was really excited about this one church, a very large church. And, and, uh, and I knew at the large churches, they give away, you know, free donuts. And I was excited about going, getting free coffee and donuts. Um, and, 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 and the Bible, uh, I was excited about that too. And Anyway, we arrived there a little bit early, and uh, I got my coffee, and they were setting out the donuts. They weren't going to give donuts until after the service. I said, well, that's kind of a tricky thing. But anyway, I got my coffee, and I began to drink, you know, got the coffee. And we started walking into the service, and there were only chairs, like, up front. And I started walking in, and it was dark, and I slipped a little bit. And I, I, I had a white shirt on, and the coffee went on the white shirts. It was really embarrassing. Have you ever done that? It's really, it's really messed up, man coffee. I said, it's okay. I'm here to worship the Lord, and I'm going to grab donuts and then go. And uh, so I had my coffee and a little stand on my shirt, and we worshiped the Lord and heard the preaching and walked out of the service. And, and, and as soon as we walked out, I'm like, okay, where are the donuts? Walked back to the donut table. I had kids with me, three children, and, and, and they're, they're all hanging on me. Let's get donuts. Let's get donuts. So we walked over to grab some donuts and had the coffee stand on my shirt, and I, I went to the donut table. And you know what these, these guys did? You know what they did? They cut all the donuts in half. This is a cheap church. <laughs> half a donut. What are you talking about? Half a donut. You're not going to trick me. I'm going to take three. I'm going to take one and a half. That's what I'm going to do. 
That's what I did. I picked up one. I put it in my mouth. I did. I took one with one hand, one the other. Kids are all grabbing donuts. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Coffee stain. I got grease coming off both of my, I got a donut hanging out my mouth, children hanging on. And all of a sudden, I heard from behind me, I heard my wife say in her southern accent, Daniel Tidwell, is that you? I, I turned slowly, and the donut dropped out of my mouth, and there he was, Daniel Tidwell. He was out of prison, <laughs> standing there in all of his glory, tall, dark, handsome, professional-looking guy. He's in shape and everything. I looked down at myself. Look back at him. She ran over, you know, childhood friends. She gave a little hug, and I'm standing there. I got children hanging off of me and grease on my face. And I thought to myself, well, this is an awkward situation. <laughs> They're talking on and on, and then finally, it felt like forever. But she looked over to me, and she said, Daniel. And she looked over and was about to point at me, and I thought, this is the moment. This is the moment where, where my wife introduces the love of her life, the husband, the father of her children. She looked over to me and handed me a phone and said, take a picture of us, Josh. <laughs> I said, what? I had to put my donuts down and wipe them on my shirt, picked up the photograph thing. My children saying, who's that, daddy? I don't know, children. Just pray for mother. I picked up the camera, and I, I went to take a picture. I framed it up, and I did. I remember framing it up, and I looked at it. I was like, man, they're a cute couple. That's sad. This is really bad. This is really bad. <laughs> you say, man, pastor, that must have really bothered you. Like, that must have really got on your, boy, that must have really got you good. And in as sincere way as I possibly can, here, let me tell you this. Not even a little bit. Like, not even a little bit. Oh, come on, Josh! I mean, it had to just kill you inside. No, like, and I'm being as sincere as I can. Not even in the slightest. You say, why? Because where there is trust, there is peace. I have the story because it's a funny story. I felt nothing other than joy. You say, oh man, I wish I had a relationship like that. Oh man, you got a good relationship. I wish I had. You do have a relationship like that. It's with God. You can trust him. He has never failed you. He has never let you down. He has always been there for you. He is always going to be there for you. And you think to yourself, I can't forgive them. Why? Because somebody's got to make them pay. And I'm telling you, he will. And where there is trust, there is peace. And I want you to leave today. Look, all I want for you is to leave and have some peace. By saying, God, you take it. I'm going to love. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to show pity. And I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance you've given us to be here today, my dear sweet friends in this beautiful valley. Bless us now, Lord, as we utilize the truth 
that we've been learning today and help us to walk in that truth and obey you constantly in it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.